Welcome to Small Talk with Raincraft. I'm Subha, a leadership and executive coach. And I'm Hasita. I'm a marketing strategist. We're just two people who love to talk and love to learn. And this is us being curious about the world around us. Join us. Hi, Yash. Good morning. Welcome to Small Talk. Thank you for being here. Morning, Subha. Pleasure to be here and looking forward to our chat. Great, great. So I think the best places to start is with the startup that you have built, right? Super beings. How did this come about and who are these super beings you're trying to create? So I'll tackle the second question first, maybe. Who are these super beings we are trying to create? Well, the answer is everyone of us, because that's where we come from. The fundamental belief being that all of us are super beings, can be super beings if given the right environment and uh, specifically we are focused on the workplace essentially a startup needs to make money and uh, that's <laughs> where that's the reason we started to focus uh, started focusing on the workplace so in on this line right i mean creating the right environment if you go a bit deeper is where the answer to the first question comes from right that what are we doing essentially right so in in a brief nutshell we're trying to help organizations create these work environments where all of us can be super beings right and when you look at it from a practices perspective or from a practical perspective what that means is typically how do you help organizations adopt practices which enable the best performance and engagement from people right so these practices, specifically the most important ones, uh, relate to goals which people have, then the way their performance is managed, like the kind of feedback they're getting, the kind of reviews they're getting, how fair is the whole appraisal process, etc. And then lastly, helping organizations give a voice to each employee, right, which is essentially enabling uh, continuous feedback upwards from employees. Right? Now, typically, if you look at it, what we saw was that This has been mostly an annual affair in most organizations. Like organizations do this annual appraisal uh, where everything stops and like every, like the organization, the entire organization is stuck for around two or two to months, one to two months doing just this thing. Similarly, you have these annual engagement surveys which organizations run once a year and get feedback and all. Now what we realize is this is something which doesn't work anymore, specifically in today's scenario where a lot more millennials and a lot more younger folks are entering the work, workplace, they have different expectations than what we had, let's say. Not long back, but even let's say... Uh, no, for me, it seven. was long back, so that's okay. Right? <laughs> yeah, so for us, like, yeah, I mean, for, it, like, it's just maybe like, just 10 years back, it was not the same. Right? But now, there are a lot of options available to people. People can choose what they want to work on, where they want to work. And this is where this has become really important, that you need to give continuous avenues uh, to employees to give feedback and get feedback. So this is essentially what we're doing. We're building an integrated performance management and employee engagement platform. This this is what it is. The end mission, yes, as I said, trying to help everyone be the super being which they are. Super, super. Interestingly, like something that caught my attention when we've spoken earlier is that you guys put a lot of research into this. Yeah. While you knew that this is the domain that you wanted to be working in, just tell me a little about that. Was your background conducive to this or did did you say, okay, but this is what I want to be doing and hence I am going to first learn everything about it? Yeah. 
Right. So yeah, I mean, so it, the problem was Shubha always close to our hearts, right? Now, if I give you uh, our story, like essentially the backstory started somewhere in 2017. Even though formally we quit our roles and jobs in 2019, somewhere in mid of 2019, to start researching full time on this, but. The informal research, if I can say so, started somewhere back in 2017 when essentially I had joined, I had left my startup or the startup I was working at called Housejoy and joined Amazon, which was essentially a very very large organization. Now coming from an organization where there was a lot of hustle, lot of fast work, lot of decision making, etc., coming to a large corporate like Amazon. The time it took time to adjust, especially at that that stage, right? And which is where I kind of started reading about this whole aspect about motivation at work, right? And because I realized that, like a lot of people around me uh, were happy, but at the same time, a lot of people around me were not so happy as well. And everyone had their own reasons. And just just being the curious mind I am, I just try to understand why would that be. The journey started with this book called Drive by Daniel Pink, okay. which talks about motivation at work and motivation 2.0. Talks about the three primary aspects, which is what I believe they call the AMP principle, which is autonomy, mastery, and purpose. So uh, that is what the book advocated. But the book also passingly mentioned about this book called Flow by Mihai Sixen Mihai. Based on positive psychology, it essentially talks about how being in the present moment leads to engagement. And uh, like, I mean, I am an avid book reader, so I pick up books from books. So I picked up Flow from Drive. In Flow, there was a lot of mention about neuroscience and, and how the brain works, etc. So then, I from Flow, I went on to this journey about learning about the brain, the dopamine hits, how uh, the brain functions, and what keeps you engaged and interested in activities, etc. Slowly, like. The journey actually ended at reading about Buddhism to some extent. How oh, interesting! Because what Flo was saying and what neuroscience was saying was that you need to be in the present moment uh, to be fully engaged and enjoy your life. And this is what I realized Buddhism Buddhism has been saying for like centuries now. So I just read a bit about that. That where did that come from? And firmly, I like I've come to believe that a lot of what today's neuroscience says is somehow based on Buddhist principle has been saying for, for a long mm-hmm. while. Right, so this was a two-year journey which I personally went through, and when the time came to start up on our own, we thought that hey, we anyways are passionate about this field, so why not do something here? And that is when the time came to start actually reading up science about this field. So earlier we we were like I was at least gaining knowledge from books which were published, but. Then I started picking up scientific research papers, and we went through a lot of science, scientific research papers, published papers around motivation, work practices, etc., uh, for around eight to ten months. And essentially, we realized what the best practices are, how should we start thinking about the product, etc., and started on that journey. But to be honest, like initially, we had not. Thought of it in the terms which we describe it today, like performance management and engagement. For us, it was all about motivation at work and the science around that. But now, it so happens that the practices which organizations adopt have an important part to play in in keeping the the workforce motivated and high performing. And just this is how the product shape. This is why we went on that on that journey. 
just it was a natural progression essentially from books to scientific research papers and just understanding and talking to experts and, and kind of from building the product from there on got it you clearly bring a lot of richness to the organizations that you work with because today a business a line manager or an hr manager would want to but may not really have the time or the inclination to look at all of this from the scientific angle that you have already done yeah. right so your uh, whatever you're presenting them with comes with kind of all of this in the mix so there's clearly a huge richness there which all of us aspire to but we don't get to in in the day to day of managing people so we all know yeah you know people leave managers not organizations and we tell each other that what are we doing about it what, are we really getting down to the science behind like you said the dopamine hits the motivation what makes one guy really give it his all and uh, someone else is just coasting through the task or the job right interesting But do you find uh, Yash that you know these generational bands that we have talked about and created saying okay there's a Gen X and there's a Gen Y and there's millennials do these really exist in the workplace or are they huge generalizations Right so Shubha, I think fortunately we have ability style like we believe we have the data to say so now we do see some differences essentially between let's say the older generation and the current generation per se if you can say so because so typically our customer profile is that of uh, fast growing startups and we have been working with fast growing startups since we started and they form our primary customer base today the interesting thing about startups is that they are formed of a lot of young folks and a lot of young managers a lot of young employees and very limited kind of gray hairs per se at the top levels right now we keep collecting feedback from people continuously just to help understand what they are essentially not happy with about what is blocking them and over the past i think year and a half year year and a half we have collected a fair set of data around what keeps people happy at work and motivated at work now what we have seen based on our data today is that today the primary aspect which drives engagement and job satisfaction at work is the sense of achievement at work okay so people today are uh, essentially looking for a sense of accomplishing something at work that hey am i getting challenged enough am i fulfilling my true potential uh, am i using getting to use my strengths at work right this is clearly what the data shows us so essentially we just ran a correlation analysis between engagement and input drivers we have so accomplishment slash achievement came out to the top now this is probably in contrast with what we see with the older generation where aspects like job security aspects like let's say stability matter more now you could think of it maybe also in terms of maturity per se that people who have seen a lot uh, over the years uh, the, the older people or the older, older generation per se they are more practical more wise per se if i can say so they have seen all of and they have probably gone through that journey of chasing accomplishments chasing achievements and then they've come to a state where they are happy with what they have and that is that is probably a fair realization right but 
at least the younger generation definitely goes after achievement accomplishment and this has something even managers can use managing your people right so just challenge them enough just make sure they're using their their strengths there's a lot of talk about finding purpose today that at work uh, a lot of people talk about and a lot of young folks specifically talk about hey what is my purpose right now for the older generation it could be let's say kids and family you want to cater to your kids you want to cater to your family Uh, work is one aspect of your life which is something which you clearly realize for the younger generation that usually translates to strengths right what gives you purpose is potentially also the thing which is in line with your strengths right so you are good at let's say meeting people you want to probably be happy with sales in a sales role uh, you are good with let's say your, your strengths is numbers you will probably be happy in let's say a data specific role right so this is something which managers can use today just to try and understand what the strengths of their people are align resources according to that so that people just get a sense of accomplishment right so they i mean people there's this saying right i mean if you ask a fish to climb a tree they will obviously fail right so this is something which you want to avoid it's something which you realize and that is something at least for the younger generation is probably something people can use no that's useful i think i joined the workforce uh, more than 20 years ago and while achievement orientation was there it was maybe more a means to an end it was a way to one like you said ensure the job security and to also then say okay there is a path to be followed that this is the next role you should aspire to and then the next and and to achieve that these are some of the boxes that you need to tick along the way but uh, today yes the kids do see it a lot differently that uh, on a day to day basis am i also being served in a way that am i also growing am i also learning am i also doing the things that i want to be doing so yes i guess there is that bit of change in the generations right yeah you brought up something about managers using this effectively and this is a kind of a conundrum that has me thinking a lot is there really a difference between or what is that difference between manager and leader because there is a train of thought which says that each of us you know there's that personal leadership each of us is a leader and there are many who in a way preach that train of thought and then there is the time tested concept of a leader that you are at a certain level or a certain scale with followers and there's no leader without followers right so how how do you guys look at it i think cultural nuances here also is what we've seen uh, manager per se is a very european term uh, is what we've come to believe Uh, and that also has a hangover in India where we call we actually use the term manager to say. Uh, whereas if you go to the US, there no one is called a manager essentially. And like in our conversations with a few customers and prospects there, we were told this as such that hey, this manager thing is a very European thing. Uh, here, everyone is a leader. As now, I got us thinking as well that. one i mean the way we look at it essentially and that's the cultural perspective the way we look at it shiva is it you have to also look at it from the perspective of the employee or the team member per se now when they are talking to a manager or the, let's for this conversation let's not call it a manager let's let's just call it the person you are reporting to right i mean you definitely look at him or her as your leader because you don't just expect the person to manage you per se which is like uh, how much work you've done how much is achieved etc etc but you actually look up to the person and uh, 
what and this is something which i personally also started realizing uh, in the startup journey by the way uh, when now we have uh, around the 25 to 30 member team that everything you say as a manager everything you do as a manager has an impact on people reporting uh, into you so even if the title says manager uh, we should definitely not look at it as a managerial role uh, with the sole objective of getting the tasks done the thing we should always have in mind is that everything every word everything you're saying is getting evaluated from a different lens and hence i would think that yes there should be no concept of a manager per se everyone should look at it as a leadership role the team size could be different like someone could be managing a two person team someone could be managing a 30 member team right but even in that two member team the person managing the team should be looking at his or her role as that of a leader and look at how they can best enable uh, the team and and that's how we should actually look at it is what i realized sure no and i think um, it's a lot like parenting also right yeah the child is always watching you so uh, the team members are always looking up uh, to see are they walking the talk what is their behavior and hence should i think about emulating that and is it a successful behavior pattern and hence should i think about emulating that so true that no, that's insightful i want to jump into the kind of work that you do from what i remember in our earlier interaction there's a lot of bite sized learning that happens right do you believe that works and and that too you mentioned you're an avid reader and today we have so many avenues to kind of read a book in 15 minutes read five blinks and you'll know the entire book here are summaries and you don't have to spend 3 days on the book so kind of looking at that as as a kind of something similar to bite sized learning do you think it works uh, like i i have super mixed opinions uh, on that <laughs> to be honest because what i have realized is that it is truly dependent on the individual so some people like me are into long form content i, I can i can devour lengthy content like as many times in the day as as you can throw it at me right so i like to read books rather than watching videos so just to give an example on the help websites of a lot of organizations today they have a video as well as text underneath the video explaining the steps i never watch the videos i only read through the text whereas there would be some people who just can't take text right they would just simply go to video so everyone what i've come to realize has their own style and own personal preferences so saying that bite-sized learning works or not works is probably not an easy answer you can't give a blanket answer the correct answer would be it works for some it doesn't work for some what we have seen is what works best and for a majority of people essentially is when the learning is integrated into their actions so when they are actually when they are doing the activity if there is some nudging some coaching something hand holding them that is when learning happens the most so to give an example let's say if you're training for cricket per se when you are bowling if there's a coach next to you just taking notes of your actions and just immediately giving you feedback about hey you can do this better hey you can do this better that is how learning happens the best and which is where like the content can vary like you can give that learning in the form of a video you can give that learning in the form of an audio just a visual so all of those things have to be taken into consideration when you're trying to teach something to someone and what 
becomes really important here is getting feedback right time right and coming back again to the whole approach which i started right? so we have this whole goals and continuous feedback i spoke about the importance of continuous feedback right this is why it is important not only it enhances performance it also enhances learning because when feedback is given in time right on time that is when people grasp it the most and that is when they actually change behavior so the as the whole point of learning is to get you to change behaviors all right and you can only change behaviors when the the feedback is in real time so like again coming from the neuroscience book example uh, there are a few professions which are very well suited for engagement and learning per se because they give you instant feedback and those professions are professions like sport flex if you were a tennis player you're playing tennis you play a back shot you get immediate feedback that hey this ball went out of the line and then next time you will try and control it this is how behavior changes similarly that of a surgeon when you are doing surgery at in that moment you are getting instant feedback from the body of the person that hey things are going well or not right and that essentially coaches you or in fact trains your brain to change behavior on the fly and over time that behavior becomes ingrained into your brain and that becomes learning essentially that is what learning is so this is why this feedback thing is super important to be in time in real time as much as possible but if it is not possible to do it in real time you should definitely try and give feedback as soon as uh, we see that so that's that's how i would look at it so bite sized learning in that context is basically the bite sized learning is equal to the feedback you're getting essentially so that is the bite sized learning according to me but if you look at it in a typical way or we have been used to looking at bite sized learning where a short 5 minute video comes to you probably that's not something which works but, for everyone yeah so makes a lot of sense and i think that's what maybe we need to get better at in organizations because we look at these as very isolated tracks we make them into silos there's a time for learning and then there's a time for feedback and that feedback is usually seen as a means to fix a problem right not as something that could be conducive to learning so i think is quite important so naturally it's to my next question is what are we doing wrong today in organizations especially in the performance management and people management space what are some of the let's say the top 3 things that you feel organizations small or big just need to stop doing yeah so again i'll probably have to uh, go back to some of the things we spoke about earlier but the, a lot of the organizations today still think of feedback goals and uh, appraisals as a one time annual affair as a checklist item which probably is not the best approach in today's times specifically if you consider as i had mentioned the kind of expectations people have today the kind of options people have today i think that is something which is soon uh, going to go out of vogue and essentially we need to start looking at performance and engagement as a more continuous real time affair than looking at it as a checklist item uh, once a year second thing could potentially be again uh, this whole aspect of making performance management a backward looking initiative so when you are doing appraisals or reviews you are always looking at the past now one founder really put it and put it really well for me when we were discussing performance appraisals and reviews and the example he gave was that when you are hiring someone you are hiring for potential and this is a complete stranger 
right you're talking about you've you've never known the person you've never seen the person you just interacted with the person for one hour and you have formed that judgment that based on what the potential of the person is this person would be a good fit for the next one year in the organization and you get the person in whereas when you are doing this performance review you are looking at what the person has done in the past rather than what the person can do in the future uh, for the next one year right and this was something which stuck with me this is really beautifully put that we need to stop looking at performance management as just solely dependent dependent on the past now obviously past performance has to play a role but again if you have done the job of giving feedback through the year correctly and if you have done, done the job of setting expectations slash goals correctly throughout the year then the person by the end of the year would themselves know uh, that hey where they stand right and then the the whole surprise element of the annual review where you are getting like suddenly you call you call into a meeting room and say hey you met expectations this year hey you didn't meet expectations this year and when there has been no talk about it for for the entire year so this is something which i think needs to change the one is we need to look at performance management as a forward looking affair and to do that the third thing is essentially again to move towards a more continuous uh, expectation setting or continuous feedback approach because only then will organizations or as a manager you be able to enable forward looking performance management otherwise it is always going to be a backward looking uh, performance appraisal system per se so that those are things which which at least we have seen and a lot of founders today and these are from all kinds of organizations from unicorns to smaller organizations or uh, younger startups per se their stated goal from the whole people management aspect is that we want the end of the year compensation discussion to be a five minute conversation where the person already knows what to expect the person comes to the meeting room uh, words are exchanged and says everyone just says goodbye right so that's what people actually want and that is something which is not happening because of this whole annual thing which which we are seeing today true because from the goal setting itself if there is not enough effort put in then the cascading effect of that is seen because when you finally sit down and uh, you tell a person hey you were not innovative enough or you were not customer centric enough and it just becomes words you're throwing at them and trying to fix problems rather than coming from that goal orientation and like you said the potential of the person and also what we spoke about today the person also comes with wanting to do certain things right have wanting to have purpose and meaning and they find it in certain activities so how is their work aligning to that is also something important yeah great 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 discussion so let's jump back to you guys as a team i think you've really grown during the pandemic as a kind of remote team so is that the culture now everybody stays in your in your homes and towns and it's really working well for you yeah so far yes and we have been fortunate enough to be to be true to find a truly dedicated uh, team per se but we have today people all across india so we have people in assam we have people in goa we have people in uh, siliguri we have people in tirupur all across india the team is distributed and like now i think even like because we've been at it for around 2 years we've gotten fairly good at managing remote teams per se and like 
even if we today want to call a lot of people back to office i don't think people are going to come so <laughs> yeah. so it's it's <laughs> not the way the roads are today <laughs> right exactly right so actually we tried right so we actually took up some space a couple of months back i think after two years and we tried it out for week or so and what we realized was that the time which we spend on let's say researching about the space or doing some work etc one one and a half hour of that time is just getting spent on the roads so people revolted essentially that hey either i can travel or i can do this computer research you pick what you want to do and then obviously like you just can't argue with that so like rather than thinking of it as cultural thing i would think of it as a business imperative today that to attract talent to essentially attract the best talent essentially and one of the important things is that what we've realized is that a lot of the good talent sits out of tier 2 tier 3 india and it is not just bangalore which has the best software engineers i'm sorry bangalore i the bangalore <laughs> I, i know a lot of people in bangalore will get offended but there are a lot of good people out there in tier 2 tier 3 and doing some great stuff right so you can't risk calling them to office because then you will not be able to get that talent to to work, work with you and secondly from the business perspective like also i mean just there's just this sheer wastage of time which people spend on the roads Uh, just doing nothing but looking at cars and and bikes <laughs> right so that time is i believe well spent on actually mastering your craft but having said that like at least again here also there would be some roles per se if i can say so or some team slash initiatives which definitely would need a bit more closer coordination so we have seen like a mixed bag over here so what we've seen is that roles which are very very clearly defined where like things like let's say engineering things like if i can say so ux or anything like where essentially you have a clear expectation of an input and an output they are very very well managed or i mean they are very well suited for a remote kind of a setting but whereas they where there is a bit more fungibility in terms of expectations in terms of the nature of the work which has to be done that is where you probably need a bit more closer uh, coordination so just to point it out like my belief is that like the three founders all three of us we need to be together because right now as a growing startup there are a lot of unknowns which we have to face every day right and just decision making just happens faster when you are together and, and essentially that is something which has to happen in real time or essentially you need uh, to basically the problem which happens is that hey when you are let's say remote and you have certainly have a question about let's say that the strategy come hey should we try this approach you don't want to wait for the other person's calendar to get free and, and give him or her a call right or you don't want to go to google check out his or her calendar and see okay abhi free hai we can call now <laughs> right you just want to talk and that's when because that is where this whole inspiration has come to you and you want to talk it out with people so i would say that when you have more decision making to do you have more let's say ambiguity in operations etc that is where like the close proximity helps a lot but if you have clearly defined roles if you have clearly defined expectations then with frequent communication things can be managed very well remotely so communication again plays a very important role maybe you should 
err on the side of over communication in a remote setting that is what we have seen no you're right i mean in decision making you know that bit of spontaneity is also important right you yeah want to try and get the immediate thought or the immediate reaction of someone else on the team and while for others you can schedule plan let them mull over it and come with their best ideas because again this is again maybe a startup thing but in a startup you get 10 ideas every day right and you don't know which one of them is good or bad but if you think on an, an idea long enough then you find enough negative points for that idea <laughs> to shut that down <laughs> even before discussing it with anyone else yourself in your head shut an idea down which could have been a perfectly viable idea and that's just how it is that's why you need to just blurt it out the moment you feel like an experiment and take opinions of what your other founders feel or think about etc so that's one challenge i definitely see that uh, you kill a lot of ideas prematurely and, and on the other hand also you and of thinking about ideas for a much longer time than you should essentially there are when I mean, there are some things which you should just do and do and figure it out rather than the think and figure it out that's the balance which we are trying to kind of figure out how what's the best thing which works that's an interesting insight on startups and maybe even smaller teams where ideas are plenty and like you said you need to say it out and to say it out you need an audience that's yeah <laughs> sitting in front of you so yeah and i think i guess hybrid is going to be the way to go slowly not everybody is going to come back and there's no need to also true so what's the one thing that kind of i hope it's nothing but what's the one thing that keeps you awake at night like what's what's the you know biggest challenge or biggest problem you want to solve or whatever it may be but it keeps you awake I mean as a startup founder the only thing which matters at this stage at least is building a stable business and pushing for growth so yeah I mean at, at least I think this is again a stage dependent thing it will probably be different one year down the line but yeah, as of today it is primarily thinking about what could be the next avenue for growth how to just get more customers i think that's the only <laughs> primary primary thing just getting more customers and more growth essentially because uh, end of the day that is the only thing which is going to keep the company going and kind of keep the whole team aligned behind uh, behind the mission etc so yeah personally what excites you more the, the going out and chasing uh, potential customers or building the product and digging deep into that well i personally more of a builder so we always i mean had this idea of building a world class product organization based out of india and that is something which uh, essentially comes naturally to us as well and that's something yeah which excites us the most building the best product which is probably what you see in the time and amount of effort we put in just understanding the science and then building the product etc because that is something which we are really passionate about and so the business part is something which is necessary thing essentially has to come from <laughs> from a in a founder's life yeah that's something which is a necessary thing to do you know it also has me thinking that i think there's definitely a scope for a part 2 with you sometime later because today i wanted to focus on the work that you're doing but sure. being a fast growing startup there's a lot of curiosity for those outside of the space in terms of how founder dynamics works what is all this funding and series a and b and valuation and how do you guys put up with the stress and strain of all of that so i think that's going to be an interesting conversation for another time <laughs> yeah 
we would love to do that so one one last you mentioned a couple of books really great recommendations if i had to ask you for that one thing you would want anybody and everybody you meet or you know especially the various teams in client organizations that you interact with and you had to say hey this is one thing that you should read or listen to or watch what might it be i mean so we briefly touched about this whole concept of stress at work you just talked about spoke about that in part two you would love to know about that but i believe like given today's circumstances like over the past two years i think a lot of us have gone through a lot of stress either economic medical or uh, today we have a war going on somewhere in the world. What has become super essential is uh, essentially taking care of your own mental well-being and uh, handling stress better, right? And one of the skills which helps you manage stress and uh, mental well-being better is the skill of optimism. Now, uh, this is something, again, which I learned from the research which we had done or the research papers we had, which we had gone through. Uh, we came across this field of psychology called positive psychology, which talks about mental strength rather than mental weakness. So typically, psychology is always associated with mental illness that like they are trying to solve for depression yeah. and uh, anxiety and PTSD and whatnot. But there is a positive or a strength side to it as well to just like you build your uh, muscles to uh, kind of gather physical strength similarly there are a few psychological skills which you can develop to gather mental strength and that is a preemptive way of staying away from stress and mental like mental illness etc so psychological capital or in fact positive psychology recommends these four skills called hero which is where the name of the company also comes from super beings so there are these four skills called hero uh, the acronym is hero they stand for hope efficacy efficacy is basically self-confidence resilience and optimism so h is for hope e is for efficacy r is for resilience and o is for optimism so the hero skills or psychological capital are basically the four key skills which form your psychological capital so we have economic capital we have human capital uh, we have uh, social capital these are the three capitals which we, which we talk about predominantly Positive psychology gives the fourth capital, which is psychological capital for organizations to work on. So rather than that is basically your the mental strength of your workforce. And if you can develop that, that is something which will take your organization to the next object because you will have an army of super beings working for you. So in this context, Shubha, it was a long context. Sorry for that, but I just wanted to... <laughs> no, no, very, very powerful. Yeah, so I just wanted to give that context. So the father of positive psychology is this gentleman called uh, Martin, Selig Martin Seligman. And uh, he has uh, written this book called uh, Learned Optimism, which talks about how you can build optimism as a skill in day-to-day -day life. And uh, that is something which I would definitely want to recommend given the times we are going through. And I believe that is a skill which is potentially very, very important for every one of us to build. We startup founders, we need to be optimistic that things are going to work out, although it doesn't seem like that today. Similarly, <laughs> in every other field, like as a parent, as a soldier, as a teacher, everyone needs to have optimism. And I think that is something which we can actively work upon and read this book called Learned Optimism by Martin Seligman. Awesome recommendation. I think 
I love this note that we're ending on and as a coach uh, it really resonates with me because I think today more than ever optimism resilience is becoming such a such an important life skill for each of us it's seen us through and those of us who have it to a certain degree it has seen us through the last couple of years and helped us tremendously and i think definitely thanks for that recommendation i am going to check it out i have not read it i look forward to it beautiful so thank you so much yash it's been a really really enlightening conversation love the work that you guys are doing i think the impact will we will start to see because as you start really reaching out to the leaders right when you impact one leader there's such a huge cascading effect on their teams and they learn and they grow and it just flows down the organizations beautifully so more power to you guys and i will keep my eyes on you to see how you're doing and we'll keep catching up and like i said there's definitely a part 2 somewhere down the line because there's lots more to talk about we'll we'll look forward to that shubha because the pleasure catching up with you as well thank you bye for listening till the very end we hope you enjoyed the conversation if you'd like to leave us a note about the episode please do write in at connect@raincraft.in or drop us a voice message at speakpipe.com/raincraft all the details about our guest today and how you can find us on social media are available in the show notes so please do have a read and catch you next time